The show. Yeah, this is the show, the Ryan Hanley show, and I appreciate you being here with me as we talk with one of my absolute favorite guests. Just someone that every minute I get to spend with, I feel like he's pushing me and my work forward. Uh, but not just my work, like me as a person, the way I think about things, the way I approach them. Um, he asks challenging and tough questions. He uh, believes in what he does, and the proof is ultimately in the pudding with Billy Williams, our guest today. Just someone, if you don't know, you just get in his ecosystem. He's going to toss a lot of stuff at you. Just get in his ecosystem somewhere, newsletter, email, you know, LinkedIn, whatever. Just make sure you're in Billy's ecosystem, and for all my uh, event hosts out there, if you're looking for an absolutely tremendous speaker uh, Billy is your guy. Uh, he he does a wonderful, wonderful job, um, and will will blow your people away. I promise. All my, especially my insurance friends. He will just he will take he will take your attendees' games to the next level. So uh, before we get to Billy, though, we got to pay the bills and talk about some of my fine friends, the sponsors who create amazing products, and then pay me so that I can tell you about them. Um, that's how I keep the show going because this thing costs money to me even though it's free to you. Okay, so uh, the first sponsor that I want to talk about today is Tarmica. Tarmica had an incredible performance at uh, Innovation 2020 IAOA's event this weekend. Um, pretty much a line out in front of their booth the entire time. Um, I stopped by every once in a while just to say hi uh, to Chris and Alex because obviously they're a client of mine. And I just wanted to make sure they were doing well, and they were. They were crushing it, and uh, they were the uh, Wi-Fi sponsor. So everyone who wanted Wi-Fi to type in T-A-R-M-I-K-A into uh, their cell phones or their computers or whatever to get the Wi-Fi, which was a brilliant move on their part. And uh, there's a reason. It's not just because it's buzzy. It's not just because I like them. Uh, They have a wonderful product that I believe is built in a way that could change the game for particularly commercial lines rating, but when they drop personal lines rating from the same platform, so you have commercial and personal in one platform, one point of entry, uh, delivering uh, quotes for the carriers that you're appointed with, and if you're using someone like an Indium or another wholesaler and and you can get at all, all the carriers on their platform, well then, now you're really rocking and rolling and not just providing more efficiency to your team, but providing more efficiency and effectiveness to your clients. And uh, that, my friends, is where the rubber meets the road. So make sure you check out Tarmica, T-A-R-M-I-K-A, T-A-R-M-I-K-A. I am using Tarmica. I am using Tarmica. And I think that you should give them a look. Doesn't mean you should use them because they may not be for you. But give them a look. That's the most we can ask for. All right. Our second sponsor today is Advisor Evolved. My man, Chris Langell. Saw him at IAOA as well. Uh, He is just a a tremendous professional in our industry, and even though I bust his chops for being from Jersey, even though really he's from Philly, 
Um, the Advisor Evolved platform is more than just a website. It is a tool, an easy-to-use tool for everyone to give you a clean, crisp, fast, SEO-friendly uh, resource on the front end with a lot of really cool functionality on the back end to help you run your um, your uh, automation, your your communications to clients, and just, again, it's all about delivering uh, the right product at the right time, efficient and effective um, delivery and Advisor Evolved is what Rogue Risk is built on. RogueRisk.com. If you go there, you check it out. Um, that's an Advisor Evolved site. You probably know someone who has an Advisor Evolved site because many of the best agencies out there are building their websites with Advisor Evolved. So go to AdvisorEvolved.com. That's AdvisorEvolved.com right now if you're looking for a website or just you know when you have that need, go check them out. But with that, we're going to get on to Billy Williams. Let's do it. You had innovation this weekend? That was, it was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. It, um, you know, you know what I'll say about what they've done? Uh, and I actually wrote a post in their group because I'm brand new, you know, to the group. I, okay. Yeah. Cause I was never a agency owner. So I, I never right. was part of it, but, um, I found that event to be wholly unique in that, in the openness and selflessness mm-hmm. of people sharing. And I've been at events where people are excited, elevate others, where people are excited to talk to each other and meet. But when I, but it was like you and I meet for the first time, and within 10 minutes, you're describing your entire business model, yeah. the carriers you're with, the tools you're using you know, your revenue per, per, um, per employee. I mean, just mm-hmm. metrics that, that in other groups people keep over here. And, uh, and it was just so refreshing because you, you just felt like you could have a very honest and vulnerable conversation. People weren't judging you. They were giving you feedback. They were giving you help. And, um, and, and like a great point is uh, Ryan Keating. Do you know him? Yeah, yeah. Great guy. Talking to him, explaining what I'm doing, what my model is. And he's like, you got to talk to Chubb. He's like, what they're trying to, what Chubb is trying to do, the moves mm-hmm. they're making, like it fits exactly with what you're doing. While we're standing there, he fires off an email to, to a guy that he knows inside of Chubb. This morning, I have a call with the guy. And later this week, I have a meeting with their local person to like hammer out the details of, you know, potentially moving forward. Right, but like right. more than just a let's get to know you thing, like a, let's make sure this works and then move forward kind of call. And you just don't see that other places. You just simply do not see that. And uh, so it was. Well, I think this is new for you. Actually, we do that pretty much. The owners. Here's what you're going to find. There are three or four different mentalities in the insurance world. Number one is an employee mentality. Let me go in, do my job, you know, whatever I got to do. Number two is a manager supervisor employee. Let me make sure my people are doing my job. Let me cover my butt so that I look good. Okay. Then there's an owner mentality. An owner mentality really is a sharing mentality because we realize there's so many other people going through the same crap we're going through. And if I can understand what you're going through, that can help me get through my crap. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then there's the carrier mentality, which is you guys are just a distribution point you know, you think you're more powerful than you really are. We make the products. We build this. We just let you sell our stuff. 
And so each one of them has a different dynamic yeah. about how they deal with folks. That's a really good, I hadn't thought about that. Um, that's a really good point. And, and, you know, I think some of it probably was in a future life, I was just consultant speaker guy. So the conversations I was having with them were probably much different because mm -hmm. they were just looking to me and I was looking to them for different things, you know, and, uh, it, but it was refreshing. It was refreshing. Yes. I mean, I would say there are definitely other events I've been to just straight up people are hoarding information and, you know, moving into little dark corners to have conversations. And that just, it was just a very, it's a lot of good old boy network too. And a lot of these places, a lot of good old boy network. And if you're not part of that in crowd, you know, it took me years to get to become part. I don't even know if I'm still part of the in crowd, but it took me years to become part of the in crowd because no one understood what I was doing. Yeah. You know, like, what, 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 you're not an agent, but you influence agencies and you own a piece of agencies, and, but you're not an aggregator. Yeah. You know, and it took them a while to really understand, look, I don't want to be an aggregator. I don't want to be a cluster. I don't want to control this. I'm an investor. I wouldn't go in and suddenly try to control all of Microsoft. Yeah. You know, when I bought a few Microsoft stock, and I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. go in and try to control all of Apple because I bought a, some Apple stock. Yeah. I just want to own the stock because for me, it's a legacy. I want to pass this bundle of wealth onto my family. You know what I mean? I do. And I don't want them to necessarily be insurance agents to have to acquire that wealth. Yeah. I just want them to have that ability to, to unbundle that wealth if they wanted to. But what I always tell my friends is like, when they ask me, because a lot of people say like, man, how the hell did you end up in insurance? And I just say like, it's not the sexiest product, but the lifestyle that you can build for yourself around this business can be as sexy or as unsexy as you want it to be. And yeah. that's completely up to you. And that's what I love about it. And that's what I love about it is that, yeah, like it's not, you know, coming from fitness industry, right? Right. Here's how you market the fitness industry. 25 to 33 year old very attractive fit male or female sweaty working out take picture put on internet business that you've you've you have a business you have a fitness business now like that's it that's the whole deal like that is, it looks sexy it feels sexy you own a gym it's actually the opposite from insurance because that's your whole life there's nothing more that you can do you have to be at that place you don't get to leave you are you are you are completely held to I have an eight o'clock class I have to run, then I have to run a 10 o'clock and you have to be there. If you're not there, people get upset because they don't want your, your B squad person coming in teaching right. that class. They want you. Insurance is the complete opposite. If you can do it right, and this is what obviously we're gonna talk about today. If you can set that business right, business up the, or in the way that serves your clients well and operates well, man, you can, you can live whatever lifestyle you want. You can be there if you like being there. You can be someplace else if you don't want to yeah. be there, but, but it provides you with the ability to be exactly what you want to be. And that's the difference between expertise and authority. Okay. Very distinct difference. Expertise is a technician. Expertise is I know exactly how to do this. I know exactly how to do that. Authority is I have the answers. Even the experts may not understand. Okay. Yeah. So for me, I learned, I make more money as an authority than I do as an expert. So an expert is that insurance agent. They can tell you exactly how to do this, exactly how to do that. But the authority are the investors. 
the private equity group, the whatever. Warren Buffett, I'm sure, does not have an insurance license. <laughs> okay. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Although it'd be fun to see him in like your CIC class one day. Right, like, right. Just right. sitting next to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he doesn't have an insurance license, but he is the authority when it comes to Gen Ray, you know, um, Geico, even, I mean, all the progressives and state yeah, farms, yeah. they follow his model. So one of the things I try to make sure agents understand is, are you trying to be the expert? Are you trying to be the authority? Because if you're trying to be the authority, you need to hire experts. But most of the time, you can't be the authority and the expert. Yeah. Because there's just not enough time in your day to be both. Yeah. So I choose to be the authority, not necessarily the expert. Yeah. I, I found um, it took me a very long time to learn. I, I've never put it that way. But mm -hmm. hearing you say it, um, I think... I'm transitioning in my career more towards the authority side. Um, in the early stages of Rogue, I'm going to have to kind of be both at yes. first, but then yes. quickly I want to start to backfill with expertise. But that is, um, I see that kind of coming as two ways for, or three ways for people. They either, uh, it either comes naturally to them, right? Mm -hmm. They just, for some reason in their brain, it kind of clicks over. That's, that's a more productive way to be. Uh, they kind of learn it through having to make a tough decision one way or the other, right? Mm -hmm. You either learn like, and that's kind of where I think I fell. Like somewhere in the in agency nation days, I learned that I can't be content all day long, you know, Facebook ad guy. I had to be more of managing that uh, area mm -hmm. and, and authority. Um, and then there's people that just seem to never learn that lesson. And uh, because they want to be, authorities but they just stay experts forever right. um and for some of them they need to stay experts yeah. not everybody's meant to be a leader yeah, you know, yeah not every and that's hard for some people to understand you're just not meant to be a leader and especially in our industry where a lot of agency owners are agency owners because nobody else would hire them so they hired themselves yeah you know and they're too stupid to fire themselves <laughs> <laughs> so um well, that is a perfect, perfect segue into what we're here to talk about today. Okay. Um, you know, so, so you sent me over an outline and like, this is why, this is why I love your work so much is <laughs> like, this outline is awesome. And I would never take the time to sit down and write something like this. I just, I am, I just, I'm working on it. I'm starting to come up with some process and procedures. Right. I promise you it is, it is the thing that I envy them. Well, there's many characteristics that you have that, that I and envious of in a very positive way but like this particular thing your willingness and ability to like really get down and outline things is just tremendous um so we're gonna be talking about assembly line approach to building an insurance agency and selfishly i don't know that there's anything more that i need getting close on rogue i think the okay. audience is gonna love this and we're gonna get into it and um and just for the audience listening at home um uh billy's uh fix Fix My Agency Workshop. Fix My right? Insurance Agency. Yep, Fix Your Insurance Agency Workshop uh, in February. I don't know if there's seats left. I'm definitely going to be there. I think Cass is going, Bradley Flowers. I think Flowers. we opened up another 50 seats because we're packed. So All I right, sweet. So up another 50 seats. I'll put, I'll put this episode out like super soon. Maybe I might put this okay. out tomorrow. Um, we're recording it uh, at the last week of January, so which gives you about a month to sign up. There's 50 seats. I'm sure they'll go fast. But I just wanted to get that out early in the podcast. 
I think Bradley Flowers might be going. So we're yeah. going to have a really good time with some learning some really good stuff. There's going to be some and, big hitters there. It's going to be a lot of big hitters yeah. that are ex they're experts at what they do, but now they want to come and see. And that's, I, this is the way I explain it without ego. Yeah. I am the surgeon and a lot of other consultants are more the rehab. Okay. So I'm going to cut out the cancer. I'm going to diagnose the real issue, the problems, but I'm not going to sit in your agency and make sure you raise your arm, straighten your leg, you know, yeah. bend over at the waist. I'm not doing that kind of work. That's just not what I do. That's the difference between authority and expertise. Yep. So the people who come to the Fix My Insurance Agency, they're going to get the expertise and the authority because we're implementing. We're not just there to talk. Yeah. We're there to implement. But they're also going to get the big picture of what it really takes to grow a 10 million revenue agency. Yeah. So I'm, I got to be honest with you. I, I, uh, I was pretty excited to go to IAOA and this is nothing against that crew, but I think I might be more excited to come to, to, to your event. I just, it's something that I've been trying to get my wife to go to since you started the first one. Um, she, she's, uh, my wife and her sister are starting to become bigger, a bigger part of their agency. And mm -hmm. I think in the future, that would be something they'd be interested in. Um, but now that it derives uh, what you're doing applies directly to, to my future. Exactly. And I, I can't, it, I'm jumping all over it. So, um, so have we'll have links in the show notes. Um, the, the episode URL will be ryanhanley.com forward slash Billy. Just go to ryanhanley forward slash uh, ryanhanley.com forward slash Billy. We'll make it super easy for you to remember. Good. I'll have links to that or you just go right to, and, and uh, Billy's going to give you all his contact information at the end go right to his stuff and, and sign up, but um, okay. either place will but, have it. But right now let's get you taken care of because here's the deal. I don't, you know me, I'm not a fluff guy. I so know. I want to, I want to give them some meat and potatoes by helping you with yep. the meat and potatoes part. And then that'll either motivate them or scare the hell out of them. And they'll either want to come or say that's too deep. For okay. Me. So, all right, let's I got go you. with that. Message received. No more sales pitch for you guys though. I think you all should do it because I said, there so. we go. All right. All right. So let's, let's, so here's, here's how we start. Yep. I'm going to start as though I walked into your agency day okay. one and I'm looking to invest or help you start your agency. Okay. So I'm going to tell you, well, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm telling you, Ryan, here's the deal. You have to think of building your insurance, your insurance agency, just like an architect designs a building. Mm -hmm. Okay. They have six major steps that they do. One, they have to have a vision for what they want the building to look like. Number two, they have to gather all the tools and sketching materials they're gonna to need to sketch out that, whether it's a, you know, a pencil or paper or you know, whatever it is they need, protractor, whatever they need. Number three, they gotta set aside time for the planning because if they don't set aside time to sketch, it'll never happen. Then they start to sketch the outline. They don't try to go deep into detail, they just do the outline of the, of the building first. And then they fill in the details after they have the outline going. And then they have to be prepared to make erasures and modifications. And, oh, I thought we could put that wing over here, but that's not going to work because, you know what I'm saying? That's the same way you build your agency. So let's break this down into the different steps. Have a vision for what you want to build. That starts with either your carriers or your niche. Because here's the deal. You can come out and say, I'm going to be a trucking agency, but if you don't have the carriers, it's not going to work. You can come out and say, I've got these carriers, but those carriers may not 
right? Trucks. So your vision may not be in line with the people who support your vision. So then looking at your agency, Ryan, what's your vision? What type of agency do you want as the foundation? Do you want a PNC agency? Do you want a commercial agency, a benefits agency? What do you want? Um, you want me to answer that? Yes. Okay. So Rogue's going to be a small commercial agency. And what's important to us is less the specific class of business and more the relationship the carrier is willing to have with our agency. So when I'm searching for carrier partners, I'm looking for carrier partners that have best in class service centers because the model for Rogue is, is agent as a frontline underwriter, relationship provider, flowing, flowing the, the um, prospects in, properly setting up coverage, and then passing and establishing the relationship at that point that all service will be done by their expert at that carrier that we place them with. So okay. it's package business, A plus rated, high quality carriers who are willing to invest, who, are, who have invested in, in customer care centers and want full partner relationships with that agency. So I wanna build a sales force, mm -hmm. back end that sales force with maybe some VAs or maybe one in-house person to just do kind of tasks, agency tasks, and service as much as possible um, to be done with a, uh, a dedicated rep at a, at a customer care center. That's, that's the model that we're building. Okay, but in order to have that model, you're still gonna need a niche. I know, yep. I think you say niche. But, you know, Jason Cash says niche, so whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm from the South, so I say niche. That's fine. So you're still going to need a niche, and here's why. You can't be everything to everybody. So They have to be able to easily identify you with something. So yep. you said something earlier. You said, hey, guys, I want to make this easier for you. It's going to be Ryan Hanley forward slash Billy. Yep. That's because you made it easy for them to identify. So when I meet you on the street and I say, hey, what do you do? and you say, I'm a commercial insurance agent, if you stop at that, you won't get any business. But if you say, I'm a commercial insurance agent and I specialize in, I don't know, contractors, yep. or I specialize in buildings less than 250,000 square feet, now you allow that person to mentally segment you into something that they can repeat. See, I can't repeat generalities. Yep. I can only repeat specifics. That's why you need a niche. Now, here's the deal. The niche doesn't mean you're going to be trapped into that. Yeah. It means it's my starting point. Yeah. So if you say, Billy, I primarily write general liability contracts under $50,000 in revenue. Okay, I get it. That's your lead point. But from that lead point, that could lead into auto, home, life, flood. It could lead into all other things. So all yeah. I'm telling you is, you still need a niche because even when you go to get your carrier relationships, they're going to ask you, what do you want to go after? What do you want to target? And then they're going to look at their taste, their flavor and say, okay, we can match what you want to target. Have you ever had anyone go the opposite way? Yeah. 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 Always. If you notice on that paper, it says carrier. And then if you look at on the paper I sent you, yes, notice yeah. it has the equal than or yep. other sound. So yeah, you sometimes you go with the carrier and the carrier determines the niche that you're going to end up in. And then sometimes you go with the niche and you find the carriers that fill your niche. See, that's kind of, um, that, 
the the route that so contractors just because I have done them for a long time at the Murray group that was one of the areas that I specialized in that will definitely be a place that I spend a lot of time I can speak the language uh, my dad was a foreman on the railroad I've just been in that place and and I know um, I know a lot of what goes on in, in that space uh, but I guess my my upfront process and the way I was thinking through this because of the way I wanted to set up my business was say um, so a high value target carrier for me, someone that I'm working hard on and mm-hmm. hopefully uh, could have a chance to have an appointment with, we'll see, is Cincinnati, right? I if love listening, Cincinnati. I'm going to keep I blowing you up until you appoint me because I, I think you have a great carrier. So, right, so now I know I have a world-class organization with world-class people that care about their clients and care about the agency relationship. Everything I know about that company, every interaction I've had with them hits all the buckets that are important to me. Great paper, great claims, good service center, take care of their clients, take care of their, take care of their agent force. Okay. So if I can get in with them, then really what I want them to say to me, cause I'm more marketer than I am like niche specialist. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not like I, I just have to write a certain line of business um, is you tell me where you want to go. You tell me it's fitness businesses. I'll go figure that. I can figure that out. You tell me right. it's contractors. I'll go figure that out. And, and not all at once, you know what I mean? But like, let's, let's pick something and just go get it. Because I can, I can speak the language for most of these. If it's something really wild, well then, you know, maybe I just don't have the expertise for it. But if it's, you know, kind of fits in right. relatively standard, then I can just dial in on that because I know I'm, that's what they're looking for. Does that make sense to you? Do you think? No, that's exactly, that's exactly it. That's the thing a lot of agents don't do. Some agents don't start out with the carrier or so, excuse me, some agents start out with the carrier and then the carrier determines the niche because the carrier says, this is our flavor. This is what we want. And then some people start out with the niche and they go find the carrier. Yeah. So for you, it seems like you're starting with the carrier and letting the carrier determine your niche, your niches that you go after. That's what I'm hoping to do. Yeah. Okay. And cool. so that goes to number two, which is your products. So for you, you're not going in with a set product. You're going in with a set carrier and the carrier will determine your product. Yeah. Okay. Got you. But that leads to number three, which is your five best prospects. Understand, let's keep insurance real simple. There are five best prospects and 10 ways to market to them. All right. Keep, keeping everything very simple. Your five best prospects are number one, your current customers or relationships. Number two, referrals from referral partners and customers. Okay. Number three, people that are actively searching for your product or service. This could be an internet lead. This could be someone looking around on Google. This could be someone looking at YouTube, but they're actively searching for your product or service. Number four is former customers, people that have done business with you in the past and they've moved on for whatever reason, but former customers. And then number five, people that have a possible upcoming need for your product or service. This is why we use things like cold X dates because we know that you renewed this time last year, you're probably gonna look for insurance again this year, or maybe you had a baby or maybe you just relocated. So you possibly have an upcoming need. So then once you identify your five best prospects, then you have to look at number the next number there, which is triggers. What are these prospects or what trigger is it 
that prompts them to take an action. So maybe if it's my current customers, the trigger could be you calling out to them, you sending them something, emailing them something. If it's a referral then or a referral partner, then that trigger may be you texting them every month saying, hey, don't forget to send me your referrals. But something has to trigger an activity. Does that make sense? It does, That's yeah. That's why completely. number four is triggers. And a lot of businesses don't get business because they don't remember the triggers. So you and I decide we're going to be referral partners, right? But I never hear from you again. You never call me. You never email me. You never whatever. So now I don't think about you when the situation comes for me to send you business. You didn't make it easy for me. Yeah. I can't, I can't drive people to your website. I can't drive people to a landing page. I can't. We're not connected on Slack. I don't have a Slack channel that you can directly put a lead into. You didn't make it easy for me to do business with you. Does that make sense? No, it does. Okay. So once you know your triggers and your five best prospects, then from there, you need to create your prospect list. And creating your prospect list could be, like I said, if it's your current customers, run an audit, run a report. Let me see who my current relationships are. For you, you have a huge, vast network of relationships. So it's time for you to build that into a prospect list. You got me? And then same thing when you're talking about your people who are actively looking for insurance. You, you're big on YouTube, you got a podcast, you got a whatever, but the one thing you haven't done for insurance yet is you haven't created good call to actions for insurance. Yeah. If you're listening to my podcast today, guys, text, if you notice mine is easy inspire. So if you want to, Connect with us, get our freemium membership, any of that stuff. You text EASY, the letters EASY, INSPIRE, to 313131. That's on all my posts. That's on my YouTube. That's on social networking. That's on Instagram. You name it. I probably get somewhere between 900 and 1,000 people texting in each month. Now, what do I do with those? It depends. If, I'm, if I put out something that... I can refer to one of my partner agencies, then that's what I do. Hey guys, they texted in and I did a, I did a podcast on understanding how to file a claim. Probably had five or 600 people. All I did was break down and go, here are people who were interested in this topic. It's the same thing for you. You've already got the forums. Now you just need to repurpose those forums so that you're driving your insurance side, yeah. not just your podcast side yep. or your social media side. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah. Actually, a, uh, a local, a buddy of mine who is a local real estate agent. Okay. Um, we're going to do a like local business podcast, like an upstate New York business podcast, the two of us. And okay. uh, we're going to host it at a co-working space. That, so it's very like bi- Albany business friendly. And then we're going to bring in business owners and let them talk about their business. We already have it all lined up. Beautiful. So that's, that's one of the things that we're going to start doing. Beautiful. See, and that, that's your prospect list, developing your prospect list. Now there are 10 main marketing methods, okay? 10 main ways. If you want me to go over all 10, I can. It, it's, it's completely up to you. I don't want to pick up all your one podcasts. one or two of your favorites. We don't have to do them all. All right. So I'm going to go over to my marketing page here. You can't see what I'm doing, but yeah, I know. I'm going to my marketing page and I'm looking at the 10. My favorite 10, this is me personally. I love lead magnet marketing, like writing content, articles, blogs, 
I love videos. I love webinars. I love any of that stuff. Okay. I love, I love all of that. So the other thing I love is I love breakfast meetings and especially for you as a contractor. Okay. I don't do lunch and dinner because it's too damn expensive and I'm cheap. Okay. First and foremost, also contractors, they are busy at nine o'clock. Their morning starts at 5 30, 6 o'clock. So I'll do a breakfast where I'll bring in 15, 20, 25 contractors, feed them breakfast, seven bucks or eight bucks a pop, give them a presentation, build up the euphoria because there's so much energy in the room. And then we call sell from the stage. Sell from the stage is after my presentation, you're supposed to run to the back and be ready to sign up with me. So we sell from the stage and those live presentations. That's why I love doing conferences. That's why I love doing workshops and things like that. You know, you had me at Elevate. I love going to these other places. This is why I don't charge not-for-profit organizations. Not just because not-for-profits were a very important part of what I do, but because I know I have the ability to sell from the stage. So if I can get in front of two or 300 agents, I'll connect with them to the point, I'll speak their language and we'll cut through the bullshit and they'll realize this is somebody I want on my team. You know what I mean? And so go in the back, see my assistant, let's get you signed up. I know you I had to answer all the questions about you after Elevate. How the hell do I get a hold of Billy? Where, how do I get Billy to speak? I don't know, I'll go talk to him, he's right there. <laughs> but, that's, but that's your strength, that's what you have. So again, you're, you're an SEO guy, that's gonna be great for you. Mm -hmm. You're a podcast guy, that's gonna be great for you. All those. So let me just run through. I'm going to name the 10 just because, yep. you know, since we talked about it. Number one is signage, such as business cards, storefront, billboards, yard signs, posters, things like that. Number two is phone calls, both outbound and inbound. Okay. Number three is text messaging. Again, outbound and inbound. I use the hell out of text messaging for inbound marketing, which a lot of people don't do. If you want my podcast, text Easy Inspired to 313131 and you'll be signed up for our podcast, stuff like that. Number four is email, outbound emails. Uh, we do a lot of drip emails, autoresponder emails, follow up emails, but email. Number five is SEO, website, videos, landing pages, local search results national directories, online ads, pay, you know, pay-per-clicks, things like that. So SEO. Number six is customer and business referrals. And professional business referral partners are a huge part of our business. We look at the BDA. I think you and I talked about this before, Ryan, the BDA. Before, during, and after. Who touches my customer before they need my product or service? Who touches them during the time they need my product or service? And who touches them after they bought my product and service? So give me, let me give you examples. Mm -hmm. Before, maybe it's a bank person. Maybe it's a mortgage. Maybe it's someone trying to do a commercial loan because I, I can't start my business without them. Maybe it's a continuing education provider because they, I need them, or excuse me, a pre-licensing. I need them before I can start my business. During, maybe in that particular case, it's a manager of if I'm in a carrier, or maybe it's uh, another person who is going to help me men help mentor me in the insurance world, you know, or maybe it's my vendors, my technology vendors, my AMS, all, whatever. But who who is working with my person during the time that they're getting their business up and running? 
And then after, after my person looking at commercial, after my person has moved into their business, who's going to service them? Where, who are their suppliers? Where are their, who's their property manager? Who's their maintenance people? And I want relationships with all of those, the BDA, because any of those can send me business. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100% does. Okay, good. All right. So then number seven is social, social media, social networks. You know, LinkedIn is huge for me. Yep. LinkedIn, I think it is for you. Facebook, LinkedIn is huge for you as well. Huge. Facebook, and while we're LinkedIn talking about is... this, let's talk about the money value of social networks. Each social network brings with it a different denomination. Okay. Mm -hmm. LinkedIn has the highest denomination. So if I'm looking for a $100,000 deal, I'm not going to find that on Snapchat. I'm going to find that on LinkedIn. And then after LinkedIn is Facebook. Facebook has the next highest denomination. And then after that is Instagram. And then after that is Twitter. And then after that is Snapchat. So when you're going out for these social networks, it's not just about who's popular. It's about which network is going to make you money. Yeah. I have, so I use Snapchat for like three months and then stopped. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't have value. It just didn't for me. I have, I have really dialed back my Instagram for okay. the reasons that you just talked about. It's a cool tool. Um, I actually like Instagram, like DMs, like th that platform for mm -hmm. communicating with people is nice. But outside of that, I find it to be, it just doesn't add a ton of value to my business. It's just like more ego stroking. I mean, there's some awareness. So I try to try mm -hmm. to do like one post a week so that it doesn't feel like I'm just giving up on it, but I'm not super active, man. I get about as much out of LinkedIn as I put into it. Facebook yes. too, Facebook too, but LinkedIn more. What I put into LinkedIn, I'm getting that back. And that's where my yes. attention has been. Um, LinkedIn, you know, you get your, you get your spammy messages every once in a while. But geez, filtered in between those spammy messages are really high quality contacts looking to do business. Um, a lot of speaking gigs, a lot of, lot of business opportunities. Um, really good stuff. I've, I've found LinkedIn to be incredibly powerful. Yeah, and that's because it matches the denomination of your business. Yeah. If you were selling $5 lipstick, yep. Snapchat, Instagram, all that might work for you but we're not we're selling high-end high ticket items so we need to communicate with a network of people that are high-end and high ticket yeah. i don't go to the country club to try and sell cheap products and linkedin is the country club of the net of social media i agree more um a very good friend of mine his uh girlfriend just started um eyeliner business right uh, mascara business um and she only markets on instagram and is absolutely killing it. So that gives you an idea, like the e-commerce nature of whatever, and she's doing incredibly well. Um, but she took all her attention and put it, you know, based on you said, that's mm -hmm. where someone's buying $20 mascara. Or, you know, I don't even know how much it costs, but say it costs below $50 right. for every one of them. Like that is where her audience is. That's going to click a button to an e-commerce page to pay $12 for eyeliner. That's where that audience lives. Yep. And like you said, Instagram is more ego-based, so makeup and all those kind of things fit really well. I can imagine Instagram did really well for fitness when you were in the fitness world. Yes, that was Instagram and Facebook were our whole business. Right, and agents have to understand that. We're not meant to be everywhere. 
Yep. Okay. We're not meant to live or, or put our emphasis on all of these particular things. We need to know our denomination. If I'm selling Mercedes, I'm not going to go to the junkyard and stand there and say, hey, would you like to buy a new Mercedes? Just not the denomination. So yeah. we just... That's it. But, but you get, you understand. I think no, that's good. That's a good thought. Cause I don't think a lot of people position it that way in their mind. Okay. Number eight is postal mail. Postal mail still works for us. It is a driver. It drives people to other things. It drives people to take activities it, hmm. or take actions. It drives call to actions, but postal mail still works for us. And it's the only way that I know I can touch every single person in a neighborhood. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to get to them on Facebook or Facebook ads. I'm not going to get to them through social media marketing or, or whatever, but I can mail and touch every single person in a neighborhood. Can I ask you a question about that? Yes. So with your postal mail strategy, um, mm -hmm. it's really, my understanding is it can't be a one and done. The only way that that works is if you're consistently putting out pieces that build that brand value in the mailbox, like the, the, cause what I get feedback on is, oh, you know, travelers used to have this program where they would, they would uh, subsidize you pinging like a zip code of mailers mm -hmm. and, and you would do it and you'd get no calls and you'd be like, ah, mail doesn't work. And, and my perception was always, and I haven't done a lot of this. That's why I'm asking the question is that if you're going to commit to like a hard mail strategy, you, you really, it needs to be a few pieces over a period of time that draws people in um, versus just like one big blast. Okay. That's yes and no. Okay. Okay. Here's why. It's yes. If that is your primary strategy, I'm going to mail you and I'm going to let the call to action be call us, email us, get in touch with us. Yep. But if that is coupled with another strategy, if it's coupled with here is a link, and when they click that link, there is now a Google Pixel or a Facebook Pixel so that I'm tracking you and putting you into a custom audience, and you're seeing my ad all over every social page or every, every online place that you go, then you don't have to send as many because there's more call to action outside of just that mail. So what we find is if I coupled it with three or four other call to actions, drive you to a landing page, drive you to a Pearl, which is a personalized URL that says, hey, Bob, thanks. We, we're glad you got our card. We created something specifically for you, even though that's just a landing page with a, you know, it's just a merge field, but still yeah. we created a, a Pearl for you. So no, I don't have to send 10 different mailings a year in order to get that kind of traction. So that's why it's yes and no. No, that's yes, no, good. If it's your only real driver, no, you don't need as much if you've got other call to actions connected yeah. to it. Cool. No, that's good. I that's that's a good way to think about it. I I had never done it. I yeah. I I my idea for because I've thought about this with Rogue is mm -hmm. is some hard mail. Um I also really like strategic billboards personally. Yes. That's um, signage. Yeah. That's signage. I, I actually find that billboards in the right place with the right message, I remember them. They stay in my mind. There's professionals who operate around the Albany area and they, I know who they are because I've seen their billboards. I wouldn't otherwise know them. So I, I, I do think they have value. Um, but my ideas were, were, around, were around hard mail to text. Okay. You know, the call to action is text me. 
um, and, and trying to, cause it's, cause it's easy. Usually your phone's in your hand, you grab the mail, yeah. your phone's in your hand too, right? Like you're probably not in front of your computer, but your phone is probably in your pocket. And if you can, a clear call to action to text and start the relationship that way, that's, that's, you know, again, that wasn't like a number one marketing plan for rogue, but it was something during my brainstorming times that I, uh, that I had, I had done some thought experiments. Well, when you come to the fix my insurance agency workshop, you're going to, we're going to go over all these 10 and then you're actually going to sit there and go out of these 10 and these different things I could do within these 10, here are the things that I'm going to do. And then we're going to hold you accountable for that. Yeah. So I love the text messaging with the, the mailing. I mean, it works. It just works. Number nine is group presentations. Okay. Group presentations. Now that can be a live group presentation. That can be a recorded group presentation. That can be a conference call. That can be a webinar. That can be whatever. I built my Allstate insurance agency on conference calls. Okay. I think you remember this, but yeah, let me I just do, remind yeah. everyone in the audience. I was a captive. And everyone around me, I was the young captive at that. So there were all these seasoned agencies all around me. They were selling auto and home. They had the relationships. They were doing everything. I needed a niche. I needed to break in. There was nobody selling cancer, accident, heart attack, stroke, critical care. Nobody was doing that. So I would go out on Saturday mornings, go to all the fields in the area, baseball fields, softball fields, whatever, give out my business card. On the back of my business card, it said, There'll be a conference call at 11 o'clock and a conference call at two o'clock. We're going to talk about accident, you know, whatever. And I'd give out my card and then I'd go sit my butt in my car because I used a free conference call number. I'd go sit my butt in my car, have a conference call, and there may be 10, 15, 20, 30 parents that showed up on that conference call. And then from there, it was my strength, which is sell from the stage. So I literally would have the conference call, talk about why they needed the accident, heart attack, stroke, cancer, minimal underwriting, can't qualify for life insurance, we can at least get you an accident policy that will get you ten dollars or $20,000 in guaranteed life insurance with no underwriting. So at least you're not leaving a, a struggle bill for your folks if something were to happen to you. Little Johnny or Susie twist their ankle out on the field. Now it's like an AFLAC type policy. You get three or 400 bucks to help you because you're missing work. So this helps to cover that time that you're missing work. And I would do these conference calls every week. I was the number one sales, I was the number one seller of accident and heart attack and critical care policies. And then from there, I'd leverage that into auto and home. Um, th this is slightly a slight tangent, but, but you've, you've mentioned it a couple of times and it's really interesting to me. Have you ever done any trainings around, cause, cause I'll put a little preposition on this for, for everyone who's listening at home. You have a way of quote unquote selling from the stage that doesn't feel offensive. Um, some people are offensive when they sell from the stage, like the way they go about it. You're like, Oh my God, Jesus. Right. They, you know, what's he saying? You know, now he's going to hit me with this. I've never, everything I've ever heard, everything I've ever watched from you, I've never felt that way. And um, even when I know you're pitching me something, you know what I mean? Like I know you're pitching me something, but I'm okay with it. I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, maybe I want it. Maybe I don't, but, but I'm, you know, I'm cool with it. And that right. isn't the way for everyone. Have you ever done trainings for people around how to sell from a stage without, you know, that creating that feeling among people where they, you know, they don't, does that make sense what I'm asking you? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. Actually we have that training as part of our membership. It's called decision flow. 
It's actually a book that I've written that I've never released. You know, I got like four or five books I've written, but for some reason, I've just never released them. <laughs> so I have this book called Decision Flow that I wrote where it talks about understanding the facts, goals, obstacles, solutions. But let me summarize why I'm good at selling from the stage. This is the best way to put it. Because I'm solving a problem. I don't sell from the stage to sell a product. I sell from the stage to solve a problem. So if you don't have that problem, I don't connect with you. Yeah. And I tell people when I stand up, this is not going to be for everybody. And that's because I'm, I'm an old Southern boy. My grandfather was a Baptist preacher. My grandfather, my great grandfather was a Baptist preacher. And so they sold from the pulpit and all their message was, this isn't for everybody here. This is, you're sitting in the audience. This message may not be for you, but if it's for you, you need to pay attention and you need to listen. Okay. Yeah. So that's my mentality and kind of my upbringing. When I'm talking to you, like on this podcast, there's some agent right now that I'm connecting to. They're writing notes and they're like, man, when are you going to put this out, Ryan? Cause I really, I want to copy this again. Now, will they spend any money with me? Nope. They won't. They won't spend the membership money. They won't come and do this. That's fine. I don't really care, but I'm connecting with somebody and I'm helping somebody. Okay. I'm, I'm doing that. So without getting long winded, selling from the stage is connecting with the people that have the problem you're solving. And I don't try to be a Jack of all trades, you know, and that's what I was telling you in the beginning. Yeah. You need a niche. Yep. Don't just be the insurance guy, be the insurance guy that focuses on this. And when people, when people trust you for one thing, they'll accept you for anything. Does that make sense? It, no, it does. It, I mean, okay. I uh, just to back up that for anyone who cares, I can say that uh, authority on a topic built from trust and respect yep. um, transfers to other areas very easily. Once you've established that authority, um, you can move to other things very easily. Uh, a very shallow example is moving from one social network to another a very a much deeper would be tr uh, transferring from personal insurance to commercial insurance, you know, to a yep. consumer. If you do a great job for someone on their commercial package, they're just going to assume that you will do a great job for them on their personal lines package. And, and there will be literally no loss of authority from one line to the other. So I, I completely and utterly agree with that. Good, good. And then the 10th and final marketing is lead magnet marketing. This is written content, blogs, eBooks, audio, video, recorded hotlines, whatever you're using, but it's something that's a, that a person finds and then they take an action because they found it. Like my number one lead magnet is YouTube. People find me all over YouTube. But what's so crazy since I've started doing this podcasting thing, I'm seeing my podcast 11, 12, 1300 downloads an episode where my YouTube is still at 190, 200 views. Yeah. You know, per episode, same episode. But I think what's, what's happening is podcast is so much easier to consume. I'm gonna give you a thought on that though. Yes, sir. So here's my, here's my thought on that. Cause I've had people ask me, why do you still, if you podcast as much as you do, why do you still do the videos? And there is a very, very specific reason for it is that, this is not an exact number, but it'll give you an idea. I think it takes 
10 podcast listens to uh, achieve the same level of authority in someone's mind as them watching one, one quality video. So if I watch you for, for 10 minutes on one of your videos breaking down a topic, right? I, mm -hmm. I can't do anything else. I have to be here. I have to be watching you, listening to you. Like, yeah, some people listen to YouTube premium, like podcasts almost. Most people are watching and listening. You right. have at least two of your, their senses completely focused on you. They can't do anything else. If I'm listening to you on a podcast, I'm walking my dog, I'm on the treadmill, I'm driving in my car. I have something else going on in my brain. So yeah, I'm listening to you, but you do not have 100% of my attention. With video, you have a hundred percent of my attention. So, so, so my this is my belief, and, and it's from subjective feedback. But I've been doing it for long enough that I firmly believe in this. That even though your video views will almost always be less, continuing to do video content is incredibly important because it's the nail in the coffin for authority from my from where I sit. When they when you get somebody to watch a 10, 20 minute video of yours. They believe in you. They might not always agree, which is fine, but they believe in you enough to spend that time with you and give you at least two of their senses, a hundred percent. That to me says a lot. So that's why I keep pushing the video really hard. Yeah. I won't, I won't do a podcast without a video. I mean, if yeah. you notice on any of my podcast link, it says, watch this on YouTube. Yep, the other thing, thing I look at it because again, for me, it's all about revenue. It's all about money. People who watch YouTube spend money. Mm -hmm. They will join my membership. They will come to our workshop. They will do whatever. People who listen on podcasts, it's almost like they want the free stuff. Yeah, they're more voyeurs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we'll go. Um, two questions for you. Yes, sir. Uh, one, have you, have you done a lot with um, or ever thought through uh, self-hosted video versus YouTube video? So like instead of publishing a video on YouTube, you publish it with a tool like Wistia or Vidyard on your own site and pushing everyone to your own site versus pushing them to say YouTube. Um, that's question one. And question two is, have you ever experimented with like evergreen webinars? Those are two, yes. two notes that I wrote down. Yes, so number one, we do. I use the Wistia turnstile feature. Yep, I really like that. Okay, that's actually one of our lead magnets when we're putting it out on our landing pages. We have hundreds of landing pages that are mm -hmm. out. If you're looking for anything insurance, you wouldn't even know it's Inspire Nation, it's just a landing page. And so you'll start to watch it for 10, 20, 30 seconds. I get you involved and then it stops. Boom, give me your email if you want to continue watching this. And that's a lead magnet for us. Mm -hmm. So yes, we use that. Um, but YouTube is about driving people back to my site. Gotcha. So everything that YouTube does, my call to actions are go to our site. Yeah. And then once they're on the site, then they can engage from there. For those of so you listening YouTube. at home, Billy yeah. yells at me all the time for not putting enough calls to action in my video. I'll just get these random LinkedIn messages from him. I just watched one of your YouTube videos and it did not have a call to action. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> hey, it's gotta, gotta have a call to action. No, I there, appreciate man. it. I appreciate it. Sometimes I forget. I gotta go back in. It's good stuff. Yep. So again, YouTube for us is about that driving them to our website. And then as far as evergreen videos, I do that when I'm doing a webinar. I turn all our webinars into evergreen videos. And I'll put out a, you've seen me, I'll put out a two minute clip, like on LinkedIn or whatever else. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, but if you want to watch this, you got to go. And then we use go to meeting or go to training for that backend hosting of that. So I can look at the analytics. So yeah, yeah we use it all. Yeah. The, it all. The, the, the evergreen, the evergreen webinars for me, 
that that's another idea that I that I really like is um, doing some specifically some deep trainings for okay. people on specific topics, running ads with teaser videos and stuff mm-hmm. to get them to sign up for the Evergreen training. Now they're a lead. They watch that video. If they spend more than 15 minutes watching a training uh, online, bam, now we know to call out or, or ping them or drive them back yeah. in, giving them calls to action during the webinar. Because if they're willing to spend that time with us learning about comp mods or cyber liability or or, you know, these would specifically be targeting topics that tend to be more misunderstood pain points inside of a, mm-hmm. inside of a, 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 an organization, driving them to that evergreen, letting them kind of learn on their own and then bam, bringing them in. Um, that's, I, I had, I actually, in my prospecting book, I have that kind of mapped out already. And I was just wondering if you had any experience with them. No, nope, no, those work extremely. Yeah, we use them and those yep. work extremely well. You know, if yeah. you got on YouTube, you'll see, we use the, up next, I, my, one of my team has learned how to make our video pop up on the recommended video yeah, yeah. list because that's a huge driver. Yep. But we also use the ads for you're watching this video and all of a sudden we'll pop up as a as one of those ads that skip in three seconds or four yep. seconds. So yeah, we do those as well. And those will work. The thing is, these 10 work regardless. So I know we kind of jumped around. So let me just let me just call out these 10 again. Number yep, one please. is signage, number two is phone calls. Number three is text messaging. Number four is email. Number five is SEO. Number six is customer and business referrals. Mm -hmm. Number seven is social networking. Number eight is postal mail. Number nine, group presentations. And then number 10, lead magnet marketing. I don't care how fancy it gets. I don't care how many conferences you go to, Ryan. I don't care how many phone calls you get. At the end of the day, you're going to be able to fit everything into five best prospects, and 10 ways to market to them. Yep. Okay, so we wanna keep things simple. Then the next thing after our marketing is we need to make sure we got the technology. Mm-hmm. So number seven on our list is 10 core technology and automation tools. And I'm talking things like your agency management system, your appointment scheduler, your um, text messaging tool, all those particular things there are 10 core tools. Our number one prospecting tool for current customers is a declined coverage form. So Ryan, that's one of the first tools I want you to create. Okay. Yes, you're going to create one at the Fix My Insurance Agency, but even now I want you to create a declined coverage form. I don't want you to create one form for each damn product. I want you to create one form that you can throw different products on. Oh, you decline flood, you decline life, you decline uninsured motors, you decline um, loss of income, you know, you declined motorcycle, uh, passenger on the motorcycle, because you want one form. Don't send them 10 damn different forms from 10 damn different products. Send them one form that has everything you suggest. Here's the deal. Right now, if you have, if you took a full evaluation of all of our agencies that are part of that I'm part owner of, it adds up to about 1.2 billion dollars in what they produce in premium. Right, 1.2 billion dollars out of the 160 plus agencies. Three out of every ten dollars with a current customer comes from a declined coverage form. Okay, three out of every ten. How do I know? Because we track that. We, we keep up with that. So if I wrote you a policy today, even if I'm quoting you, let's say I'm quoting you a policy and I see that you don't have this, you don't have this, you don't have that, you don't have that. 
I'm still going to send you the decline coverage form even during the quote process. Now, one of the things we do, and you know, now that we're working together on some things, you're going to have to have a, a formalized non-disclosure. We use a non-disclosure for any premium beyond $10,000. And that's because I'll be damned if we're going to do all the work and then you're going to take this to the agent that you're currently working with or the agent down the street and go here, match this. Okay. You're probably still going to do it, but I'm going to make it hard for you. I'm going to make you have to think about it. So if it's over $10,000 in premium, I'm going to sign, have you sign a non-disclosure. Okay. Now, when you do that, I'm also going to give you this, this uh, decline coverage form that says, hey, I just want to make you aware. You've already signed this non-disclosure, so the other agent's going to have to figure this crap out on their own. But you've got these problems on your current policy. Yeah. And I want to make sure that you're aware of it, even during while we're quoting you. And they go, oh, here's the deal, Ryan. I don't need to get the form back. I don't need them to sign it. I don't need them to whatever. They, in fact, probably 80% of the people won't sign it. But they'll have the conversation with me. Yeah. And that's what I want. Yeah. So one of the first tools I need for you to make is a decline coverage form. And you'll be at the Fix My Insurance Agency. Yep. So we'll, we're going to give you our version of the decline coverage form, but you definitely need that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number eight, lead tracking. So now you've done all this work, you got this prospecting, you got all your tools up, and now you're getting leads. And they're falling through the cracks because you never, you never planned for lead tracking. And you never planned for accountability. So that's the next thing that we do. And then we look at our follow-up methods because there are methods that are much more effective than other methods. Everything is not just pick up the phone and call me. Text messaging is our absolute most effective follow-up method. So that means from every single person that I'm doing a quote for, I want to get permission to text message because it's our absolute most effective mm -hmm. follow-up method. And we track that. Does that make sense? And then, of course, you got calendaring, and then you got your different processes, new customer process, claims process, retention process, staffing, accountability, payroll, hiring. And so when I go into an agency, I look at the 18 things. You're looking at the sheet. These guys aren't, but there are 18 things. And I assess those 18 things. That may take three days, may take two weeks, depends on how yeah. organized or disorganized that agency is. But I refuse to put a dollar into an agency until I've looked at these 18 things and evaluated them. Yeah. And that's what I've given you. The 18 things, you can use this as the foundation for building your agency. Well, it, I mean, I can't wait for, I can't, I can't wait for a couple of weeks. I'm, I'm really excited because, you know, there's so much here, like, there's just, I feel like it's very easy. What I found being on this side of the fence now, uh -huh. yeah, I mean, they're like, I have to have some self-awareness about what I believed before and just what I'm experiencing today. And uh, like one of the things that I wrote on LinkedIn, you may have seen it. I was like, I'm sorry. Like I never fully empathized with the technology issue thing. Right. Like I, I heard you, I listened, I felt it. But now that I actually have to take my own money and make the decisions and try to piece this thing together, it's not easy. Now, I, th I believe that we make it harder than it needs to be. Yeah. Because a lot of times we're chasing new shiny objects and stuff like that. Like I get that. And I did feel a little bit of that. So now I can kind of say, but, but that being said, it's still not easy. And, no. um, and I think with the processes, it's the same way. Like 
what the reason that you know I'm, I'm brand new agency and I'm spending the time and money to go to IOA to go to go to your workshop is because I want to try to I feel like I'm jumping the line right I'm not three years in with bad habits now trying to re break those bad habits and reestablish good habits I want to right. mix with the people who have the good habits today learn the good habits and start with the, as good a habits as I possibly can have moving forward. And, um, you know, I just, I think, I think that's the only way to do it. And well, you're uh, doing it, you're doing it right, Ryan, because of the process. See, here's the deal with technology. People usually buy technology and then try to fit it into their processes. Technology should fit into your process. So that means if my endorsement process is look up my phone number, verify the address, send a confirmation email, point out a policy weakness. I need the tool that allows me to do that best. Yeah. And that's where a lot of agencies screw this up. They don't have a formalized structure of processes. So then they go buy all these shiny tools. So as an example, I was talking to one of my actual partners and he was saying, Billy, insured mine. Oh my God, I want to get insured mine. Mm, can't get insured mine. Trust me, I'm, I'm about to invest in insured mine. I think it's a phenomenal tool, but he can't have it. Why? Because he chose a system that doesn't integrate with other things. Insured mine has to be able to, to work with your system. So that means now he's screwed. So while he may want it, he can't have it. And so what he told me was, I think I'm going to get it anyway and see if I can make it work. So now you're going to spend all this time, energy, and money buying something because it's shiny, not because it's going to make your processes better, not because it's going to make Judy's life easier, not because Bob is going to be able to be more effective and make more money, but because you want a new shiny object. Yeah. Wrong answer. That's how people get bad credit. Getting a car they really can't afford. <laughs> Living in a house they really can't pay for. You know, going out to do things they really can't afford to do. That's how you end up with bad credit. And there are a lot of agencies that have bad ownership credit because they're so busy getting things they really have no purpose for. You know, you mentioned something, and this is something that I've heard many agency owners that I respect very highly say the same thing, often learned through hard lessons is you start to lose credibility with your staff. Yes. You only get to make so many technology mistakes or chase so many you know, chase so many rabbits down technology rabbit holes. And then eventually your staff just looks at you like, oh, this is just another tool that we're never going to use. And then getting them to, to adopt it only becomes harder and harder. Yep. Yep. So what happens is the, the, the agent will go to, to a workshop or a conference and they come back all fired up. We're going to change our agency. We're going to, we're going to make the world a better place. And we're going to, and the young staff is running around going, oh, my God, oh, my God. And the old staff's like, hey, just calm down, calm down. This too shall pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I get that. I get yeah. that. I, um, I'm trying to make my agency management decision this week. I'm trying to make that. I've, I've spent too much time on it. I have a couple. I pretty much know where I'm going to go. Um, yeah. But it's still like you know, you're well, before of you make that agency management system, let you and I have an offline conversation so that I can walk you through some of the best practices. And then you can make sure that the technology matches the best practice. I would love that versus trying to make best practices out of technology that you bought. I would love that. I would yeah. love that. Yeah, that's good. the best way to do it. All well, right. 
Go ahead. Go ahead, Brian. Well, I was going to say, I don't, I don't want to be respectful of your time and we are over our allotted time here. Um, so I could go for a few more minutes with you if you want to go. I'm, but I'm I also, good. I'm good. Again, I'm here to work with you. So we're, we're good. You have, uh, you have delivered incredible value to me already. Plus, I want to tease the hell out of the people listening because they should be going to this thing. And if not okay. this one, the next one you have, because you do them quarterly or twice a year? I have, I have every other month. Every so other month, five, yes. Okay. Yeah, there are five in 2020. Yeah, so there's the workshops are coming. So if you miss the one in February, which is the one I will be at, um, that's fine. Next one's in April. The next one's in April. But this is a good teaser, I think. Mostly because it's so much more than a teaser. I mean, I have like literally a page full of notes in, in my crazy, like where I start <laughs> writing around the edges. Right. That. Um, I have this like, I have long form, I have like, what do they call it? Uh, shorthand. I have shorthand. It literally is decipherable only by gotcha. me, but, but it makes sense. Uh, Billy, just, we've already talked about it a lot, but where are the best places for people to connect? If they don't want to come to my site, which they don't need to, um, where can they go directly to sign up for the workshop or just get on your email list? Right. And I know you have a freemium membership that's available now for them to test, you know, just, just give them what the stuff. Okay. The easiest way is literally to search Google fix my insurance agency. Cause that's going to bring up everything that we do under the fix my insurance agency uh, banner. That's going to bring up our podcasts, our webinars, our freemium memberships. Just search Fix My Insurance Agency. That's easy. If you want to go directly to our website, go to inspireanation.org. Okay. Let me talk real quick about why it's called Inspire A Nation and not mm -hmm. Williams Consulting and you know all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's because at the end of the day, I make my money investing in insurance agencies. I mentor because that's my passion, because that's my gift. Selling from the stage, being in the pulpit, that's my gift. And so that's why I call it Inspire a Nation, because at some point I'm gonna branch out of the insurance world and go into the regular general business world. Mm -hmm. You know, I also do some religious-based training, okay? So that's why we call it Inspire Nation. So don't be confused, guys. What is this Inspire Nation crap? It's because my message, my what I'm trying to do for, for leave my legacy and my influence is so much bigger than just the insurance space. Yeah. And plus it's just a good name. So easy to remember. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, well, Hey man, it and is then if they want to get our podcast, they can text easy, not the word, but the letters E Z inspire to 31, 31, 31. Okay. Easy inspire to 31, 31, 31. That's going to put you directly on our, on our podcast and YouTube uh, sign up list there. Nothing well, else to sign up that immediately logs you in and makes you part of the list. Awesome. I, I, if you're listening to this and you are not in Billy's ecosystem already in some way, shape or form connected on LinkedIn or any of the things I I'll have as many of the ways to connect with them as I can on my site too. But this is Billy's absolutely someone you have to be connected to. I've, I've, uh, we've known each other now for two years, maybe a little more. Yep, two or three but, years. Definitely. But every conversation like this one, it just takes me forward. Like, you know how sometimes you talk to people and it's like, oh, that was a cool conversation. You know, I'm kind of in the same place I was, but it was fun. I am never in the same place when we're done speaking to each other. Even if it's just for 20 minutes here or there, like I'm always some amount forward in my, either as a person or as a, you know, whatever I'm doing or whatever usually just 
blasting you with questions. So, uh, yeah. you know, no, I'm, I'm honored though, but you've been just as big of an influence for me, Ryan. I mean, I think you kind of pulled me out of my, my shell. You know, I never wanted to be the face. I never wanted to be out in the public domain. I, I just wanted to be the guy behind the scenes, but then you put me on elevate and that just kind of blew that out the water, <laughs> you know, when you, when you put me on the elevate stage and it kind of demanded that, that I be out there more. And I love it because I feel like I actually have a greater influence and I'm, I'm helping to spread that Inspire Nation message, not from a marketing standpoint, but I feel like I'm changing people's lives, you know, and that's my goal is to change people's lives. And, you know, what's funny about that is, and I, and I appreciate you saying that, and it was, it was my great honor to have you at Elevate and, um, you know, you, be, you kick off day two. Uh, it was just, there was a no doubt, it was a no doubt decision for me. Um, but your presence, you know, out front, it's as if, you know, you can tell that, you know what I mean? That was a decision to stay behind the scenes because your talent to be out front in front of the camera, to create these things, to talk on stage is uncanny. So, um, if there was ever hesitation in you, it is not obvious to those of us watching at home. Well, you know, it was a choice. I mean, for 21 yeah. years, I was out front. Remember, I was commander of Army That's College right. Recruiting. So I traveled around the country. I did all this other stuff. And so I said, when I retired, I just want to be at home. I just want to be with my kids. I didn't want to, you know, travel 300 days a year. Didn't want to be out speaking to audiences. Didn't want to. So it was a choice. But one of the things I've learned is God always puts you where he wants you to be, not where you want to be. Mm -hmm. And so I think he said, look, I gave you this strength. I gave you this talent. I gave you this ability to sell from the stage and damn it, you're going to use it. And the way I'm going to make sure is I'm going to put people around you to make you have to use it. And I think there's a, there's a lot of things in that, whether you all, whether you believe in God, universe, whatever. Yeah. That's the same thing with you, Ryan. I know you're destined to be very successful at whatever you do, not just because of you, but because of who you attract around you, you know, your, yeah. your net worth is a direct reflection of your network and you have the network that your net worth is going to be huge yeah. because you built that network. Well, I am blessed in many ways. Uh, the friends that I have in life are among the top of them. It is uh you know, there have been different times in my life where I've looked around and said, my family, absolutely, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And then, geez, the people that are, that I can call on the phone and have a conversation with that'll pick up the phone or text me or, you know, hey, what do you think about this? It's, uh, it's unbelievable um, how, it's unbelievable how giving people and selfless people are willing to be if you are willing to be given, giving and selfless to them. Well, one of the things you're going to learn, and I know we're going over, is people who are people who are wealthy. I don't mean rich. Anybody can be rich and have a bunch of stuff, acquired a bunch of whatever. But people that are really wealthy, meaning their their money is going to be long no matter what, are some of the most selfless people in the world. Mm -hmm. Poor people are people with a poor mentality because you can be you can be broke and not be poor. Yep. Okay. But people that have a poor mentality, those are some of the most selfish people in the world mm -hmm. because they're only worried about their problem. They only look at their stuff. They won't share anything. They won't give anything because they have that poor person's mentality. Again, 
I'm not saying because you're broke, you're poor. Okay. Yeah. Being poor is a mentality. Being wealthy is a mentality. But people that have a wealth mentality, they share. They share ideas, they share experiences, they share whatever. And that's what you've built. You've built your network around a bunch of people that have a wealth mentality. And that's why we don't we don't care about sharing because it's not gonna hurt us yeah. to share with you. One of the most, and I know we gotta get off here soon. No, one of me. the one of the one of the things that I'm most honored by when it comes to you, and you probably probably was not a big deal for you, but it was a huge deal for me, is when you were deciding, you were transferring, or you were thinking about leaving one position, going to another position, and you called me, and we talked for like an hour and a half. Yeah, we did. Okay? Yeah. And just, and and for you, it may have, may have been just, let me reach out to Billy, let me pick his brain, let me do whatever. But to me, it was, here's a guy who, first of all, has influenced me so much, who the world loves, who's very influential in our industry. And he calls me to say, I'm thinking about making this move. Give me your opinion. That was a real honor for me, yeah. Brian. Well, what's honor. crazy is I was honored that you picked up the phone. I was like, geez, I hope he will be willing to talk to me. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I don't want to waste your time. I know you're a busy guy and a lot of people are vying for your attention. And I was, you know, this is a love fest or whatever, but it's true. <laughs> I was honored that you were willing to take that call because I, um, I, I have to talk through things to get mm -hmm. them square in my head. I'm not good at sitting in my own thoughts. I, I need to talk to talk them out. And, um, and it's very meaningful when someone will give me that time to let me do that and, and give me honest feedback. Cause your feedback wasn't just like, yeah, Ryan, go do what you, you know what I mean? You were, you were giving me, and I also knew that about you, that you wouldn't just, you wouldn't just give me what I wanted to hear that you would force me to think about how I was making that decision. And, um, and that, you know, that's, that means a lot because some people will just lip service you and, and not right. in a bad way. They're trying to be nice and that's great. And I don't, I don't fault them for that. But to me, I really enjoy people who in a respectful way are willing to say, no, I disagree with that. Or have you thought about this? Or it feels to me like you're not considering this thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, cause I think, I think, I think it's easy to be nice and just roll over it's much more difficult and meaningful to be nice, but challenge someone. And right. um, I have found you to be someone who I trust, uh, who I trust uh, implicitly to be both very respectful, but also very challenging on a person, not just me, but a person's thought process. I think that is uh, one of the most respectable qualities that someone can have. So. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we probably need to let these guys and girls get back to work. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's like, Geez, they're gonna make out after this this podcast. Uh, no, I I appreciate it, man. This this you spending this time with us is great, and I can't wait to see you in a couple weeks. And uh, I'm gonna get this show out super quick because um, I want people to have time to make plans, and whether February is the day or it's one in the future, but to, to if they want to go, uh, get to that February one. So, um, so I appreciate you. Obviously, you know if there's anything I can do, you just let me know. Always, always. Thank you, guys. Come on. Thank you.